Welcome to the PokePress Digest Podcast, a Pokemon news magazine show. Here you'll find some of the best content offered by our site. For more, visit us at pokepress.blogspot.com. In this single segment episode, Anne from Pikmin Podcast and I talk about the music for the 20th Pokemon movie, I Choose You. Our discussion covers the ending themes, openings, and the score. As usual, we also read a few listener comments. Thanks. Hi, I'm Stephen Reich here at the Poke Press Studios in Madison, Wisconsin. I'm on the phone with Anne from PP Podcast. And in a little bit of an interruption in our discussions of the Pokemon movies, we've skipped ahead to the latest movie that was released, Movie 20, Pokemon, I Choose You. And yeah, we're going to be talking about the ending themes to this one. So we sort of have an interesting structure here. We have two sort of main songs, and then there's a third one we're going to splice in a little bit uh, ways in. We'll get into that, but... We're going to keep this for this first couple segments to just being Japanese versus English, as we usually do. So on the Japanese side, we have Let's Walk Together, which is derived from the Arasian theme from the 10th movie, and is performed by Asuka Hayashi, who many of you will remember also did A Small Thing back in Movie 6, which was uh, translated into Make a Wish for the English version of that movie. On the English side, we have Haven Pashal, Hope I said that right. Who performs I Choose You, uh, written by uh, the usual folks there. Uh, Ed Goldfarb is sort of the main one on that. So our first segment, as usual, is going to be talking about the artist. Now, of course, Asuka Hayashi, we went into her career in a fair amount of depth uh, last year when we covered Movie 6. And uh, you do have maybe a little bit of information about what's gone on since then, as well as some information about who actually wrote the lyrics for this, because it was originally an instrumental from Movie 10, right? Right. There's not a ton of information on Asuka. Um, As I mentioned in that episode where we discussed a small thing, Chisaki Mono, she's not been super active in recent years. She is still a professional musician but you know in 2013 she got married they have a kid you know, like she she's pursuing other things in her life so it's really kind of special that she's come back for this movie it's the first single she's released in a very long time and a- as you can hear in the track itself she sounds a little different than her 13 year old self but yeah, the lyrics are I found kind of interesting because they're written by Futoshi of a band called Aquatimas, which if you're really into anime or J-drama, you've probably heard them before. They're quite a famous and, and respected band in Japan doing stuff for you know, Bleach and Gokusen and things like that. They officially started in 2003, the current band members they gathered formed Aquatimas and kind of went up through the independent music seen and signed to Epic Records in 2006. And they've kind of just been going strong ever since. Um, a couple albums, the five, I think, five or six, maybe more, several singles, like, they, and they just, they're still active and still going. So I, I think they're definitely a band you want to check out if you're kind of interested in looking into more Japanese music. And their lyrics, I find, are very unusual. Like, they're, they're not placid and you can kind of see that in this there's even even though it's kind of that universal thing of like let's do everything together they're very poetic about tying into the things of pokemon that i i like 
Sounds really neat. I don't suppose you have any information on how all of this got arranged, uh, who went back to Asuka, or how the uh, the other band got involved in writing lyrics for this. Not especially, but there. the more I look into the media surrounding um, Movie 20, there was a huge push to kind of tie together old generations and new generations of fans, like in the sense of like Shoku Nakakawa, um, Shokutan, she's like voicing Nurse Joy and is like kind of being presented as the face of Pokemon because she came up through the entire franchise. So I think this may have been part of that, like reaching out to someone who did a previous and beloved ending theme and, you know, having a new song written for her to sing might be part of that. Just another way to just tie in one more thing from this entire series and kind of celebrate the anniversary. But no, I've not found a lot of specific stuff about, you know, why, why Asuka and not, you know, some other group or something, but. I suppose so. All right. Well, on the English side, uh, Haven Pashal, that's, that's a name that should actually be decently familiar. She is probably best known for being Serena's voice actor in the English dub. Uh, She is actually still active in the dub right now. Uh, I think her most prominent role in Sun and Moon is as uh, Rockruff. So that's where she's, she's working there. But she's also done some other songs in the Pokemon anime. She did Join the Band, which was from one of the shorts of the sixth generation. And she also just recently uh, was kind of revealed as performing Under the Alolan Moon, which is the new dub theme that just came out. I have actually not heard it yet. I do look forward to that at some point, but I'm actually kind of a far ways back in the main series anime, so I have some catching up to do in that regard. As I mentioned earlier, it's written by Ed Goldfarb, which ever since Generation 6 has been the writing team, more or less. I think there was one or two people who may have helped out with some of this, but that's basically what that is. And So maybe not a whole lot to say there. I think it's pretty obvious how Haven ended up doing this, at least in, in abstract, I would say. <laughs> um, so maybe not a huge story there either. It's still pretty cool, though, to have... Again, that on both sides, uh, the English and the Japanese, they tied in people who are already associated. Like for the anniversary movie, there's something special in that, I think. Yeah, you know, not the the, the worst choice they could have gone with. Right, right. Well, let's talk about these songs stylistically. So, Let's Walk Together, as, as we mentioned earlier, is based on the Arasian theme from Movie 10, The Rise of Dark Rye. Mm-hmm. But uh, how would you describe the actual instrumentation of this version of it? Well, it's kind of sort of got a nice pop sort of beat to it. Like I was expecting it to be all ballad, but it's got a bit of a a blend, I think, which is typical of Asuka Hayashi. Like she is kind of sort of a pop fusion sort of thing. So it kind of starts out with that very melodic theme of Oracion and kind of the, you know, power ballady instrumentation and sort of a an instrumental score, but that, you know, it kind of gets to be a bit of a driving beat inside of it and kind of goes on to be just a, a nice pop ballad. Yeah, it's a decidedly different arrangement from, you know, how it's used in the score of, of the 10th movie. Yeah. So very much had to go through quite a quite a transition or migration to become a a vocal song. Yeah, it's definitely a, a surprise from what 
I think people expected when we heard the title, but it, very interesting. What about those words they added? Uh, what is the song talking about? Uh, so, yeah, Tomo ni Aruko, Let's Walk Together. So it, it kind of what it says on the tin, uh, but it's kind of the, a song of a journey. And it's the word choices they use, I feel, are like really specific to a Pokemon journey and the journey of the series and the franchise. So it, it just calls out all the values that Pokemon has been preaching for forever. Um, the, the, you know, there's the usual thing, like, let's traverse the world. Let's laugh it out. We can embrace anyone's weakness when we've kind of improved ourselves, those sorts of things. Yeah, like, it's just something about the word choice is just very reminiscent of everything that's come before. It almost feels like this is a song from the point of view of the fans, like our journey through Pokemon. It, there's a very nostalgic feel. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like this journey is taking pr- place in the present. It feels like something that has been building for a while. So I suppose thematically, not stylistically, but thematically, you might want to compare this to. Just uh, so you know, we're going to be making a lot of references to prior movie soundtracks and whatnot in this episode, <laughs> as you might have expected. But together with the wind, how does this kind of compare to that? Oh. That's so interesting. Yeah, because Together with the Wind kind of has a lot of those same vibes, but you're it's very melancholic and you're kind of just starting out and you you don't see the end of the journey in sight. Whereas here it's like you you've climbed the mountain. You you're looking at the peak and you're like, let's let's look back at how far we've come and then decide if we keep going. And it's very triumphant in that sense. It yeah, you you could be calling back a lot of those themes. Oh. And yeah, there's like a lot of stuff about like hearing the voice of of the wind and the wind on your and like the pressure on your back pushing like oh my goodness. Yeah, I definitely think there are some parallels there and I wonder I wonder how deeply Futoshi was considering that when he was writing the lyrics. Be very interesting to know that. Um, we're discussing something that was originally an instrumental piece that has had words added to it. Uh, do you feel that worked out reasonably well? Were there any parts where it seems like they kind of had to fudge things a little bit to make it work? You know, maybe a little bit, but nothing glaring. Like, nothing like that made you feel as a listener. Like, you know, what are they doing? This is contrived. I, d- I definitely think the theme of Arasian is more present in the instrumentation than in the lyrics. Like, I, it's not an adaptation that I would have recognized as such, I think, if, I, if it wasn't in the title. Does that make sense? Like, I don't think I would have noticed that this was Arasian. Really? I mean, that was not the experience I had. Now, my Japanese knowledge is extremely minimal. I understood basically nothing of the lyrics when I listened to this song, but... I mean, I could sort of beat for beat, uh, you know, definitely pick stuff out. Now, yeah. we talked about Arasian, obviously, in our Rise of Darkrai episode. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there we, we talked about sort of the constraints that were put on there because it's supposed to be produced by a set of, of bells within a, a tower, which has some mechanical aspects to it. And, and they sort of, and I was just kind of curious when I asked that question, you know, is there any part they had to kind of work their way around or or whatever like that? But. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, part of what makes Oracion what it is, is its context and its instrumentation and that resonance where it's like the notes are there, but 
the musical feel is so completely different in the song. Mm. And that's good. Like that's not, I don't feel like it's contrived because you don't want that same feeling of grandeur. Like we are looking at a cathedral and like I may be touched by God at some moment, like, you know? So I think, I think that works for it, but I, I definitely would say the musical end of the song, the, 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 Emotion it elicits is completely different, and and that is in the instrumentation. Even if the melody is the same, it, it has a very different feel. Yeah, it's definitely not like a, a straight-up cover or anything like that with yeah. just added vocals. I, I did not get that impression. It adds a decent amount of newness to it, even as someone like me who has virtually no understanding of the Japanese language. So, Yeah, and that's... Like, an interesting choice, and I think probably the right one for this project. Like, if you're going to tie in stuff from the past, but also come away with your own thing, this was probably the way to go. I guess I should ask, uh, are there any other instrumentals within Pokemon, we'll keep it to the Japanese side for now, that you would think would be a good candidate for adding lyrics to if the uh, need arises? Well... You know, with that new movie trailer coming out that I'm still not sure how <laughs> sure what to think about, they did play a tiny bit of Furuta's theme, or which is probably what's going to be Lugia's song when that movie gets adapted. So that might be a candidate to consider this question on. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. They did have the, you know, with the legendary themes and the Hoopa movie in the dub, they kind of had to work around some stuff there, I suppose. But uh, All right, well, let's head back to the English side then. Let's talk about sort of the presentation, the sound, the lyrics of I Choose You. Now, I think the thing I noticed, I, despite being, you know, having spent years playing the cello and in choir and stuff, I am not great with time signatures, but I definitely feel like this one is 3-4. It seems like a waltz, doesn't it? Yeah. It's got a different rhythm to it than the standard 4-4-B, yeah. Without without actually looking at the score. <laughs> yeah, we don't have the sheet music in front of us, unfortunately. Although, um, you know, I did want to mention that this and some of the other Ed Goldfarb era music just did recently come out um, digitally. You can buy it on Amazon, iTunes, listen on Spotify officially as music. And I did want to put that in there. That's like the first time in a decade they've done that with some of the, the dub anime music. So that was a, a big deal there. But no sheet music for this one, unfortunately. <laughs> in any case, I think that gives it a very different vibe. It, it's not the only waltz-like thing. I don't remember if the dancing scene from movie 8 uses uh, a 3-4 time thing or, or not, but it is sort of of that nature. And to be honest, it kind of gives me, well, one of two pictures. Uh, it's either Ash dancing with someone in a Pikachu costume or... <laughs> or um, Pikachu on stilts, um, <laughs> but um, humorous images aside, the actual instrumentation has a very airy feel to it, very floaty feel to it. Is, is that about what you got? Yeah. Just to go back, I think you just gave me new cosplay ideas for the anime bonsai formal ball, but... <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I definitely do get a, a very light, 
waltzy, kind of flowy, soft feel out of this song. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the lyrics. Um, I haven't trouble remembering them word for word. I think it starts off what? Here comes trouble, no mistaking. No mistaking. I've yeah. seen you before. I yeah, I'd know you anywhere. I know you anywhere, that's right. I've got them pulled up in front of me. They these like the last song we just talked about, these have what seem to be kind of very universal and simplistic lyrics in like the sense of, you know, it's we're just too good together, friendship, and did we just scale the mountain journeys? But the word choices are just a little bit particular and unique. And I really love the second verse that starts out, hello, stranger, don't I know you? Nice to see you, my friend. There's a juxtaposition there that we don't often see, I think, in a lot of of the Pokemon, especially stuff that was written especially for this series. And like with Tomoni Aruko, I kind of think this song is almost more from the point of view of the fans who have been on this Pokemon journey than any of the characters in the movie. There's, If you've not seen the movie, this is the one that's out of time. So we're seeing these familiar characters in this familiar story that is still technically a stranger to us. But we see the strangers and it's like, oh, these are our friends and we're immediately bonded. There's something about this song that kind of seems to highlight that. It also might be calling out to sort of the lapsed fan because there's a very decent size of the audience that has probably not seen a Pokemon movie or watched the anime since the first couple seasons who would be inclined Mm. to go to this movie. Yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't rule out that being a call into that. Yeah, like... I mean, I could just go through these lyrics forever. Like, there's just so many things of, like, like what we've shared from the start and the chorus about, like, I choose you onto journeys anew. Like, it could apply to Ash and Pikachu in the movie, but the way they word it just makes it feel like, no, this is my choice as a viewer to keep going on with this. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I suppose. I do want to go back to the mountain statement, though, that you made there. It is something that is very prominent in you know the last quarter of this movie. They do actually climb a mountain to yes. contact Ho-Oh in there. So. And fly back home again. I suppose so. <laughs> we don't actually see that part until they get to the Pokemon Center and sort of the epilogue, but yeah. We assume. <laughs> Well, we compared the Japanese one to the first Japanese ending theme. I think it would be warranted to do the same here to the original English movie ending theme. And in case you haven't seen that episode, no, it's not Don't Say You Love Me. It's We're a Miracle by Christina Aguilera. There are some definite kind of similarities here, although I kind of feel like, to a certain extent, the the verses are the other way around. Uh, now, We're a Miracle, not written for the first movie, but the first verse is the one that most directly ties to the plot of that movie, and the second verse talks more about the Ash-Pikachu relationship, again, despite not being written at all for that movie. Mm. Um, this one is kind of reversed. The first verse is, you know, obviously does tie to the movie, because that's what the movie is about, but it, it is sort of the, the genesis of the Ash and Pikachu relationship, whereas the second verse has that sort of reference to the mountain, which is where the climax of the movie takes place. How do you sort of compare and contrast those two songs, though? 
This is a good question. And yeah, I definitely think there are very similar vibes in this song. It's one of those things like the we we talked when we um did that first movie about how surprising it was that um We're a Miracle tied so well to the movie despite not actually being written for it. And this one was much more obviously written for it and ties in a different way. I I like that in both songs there's like a specificity to as you pointed out the mountain and there's things about like searching for a star i could sail to the ends of the ocean like very specific images that tie back to this movie and the series in general that were also present in we're a miracle even though like i said it was not actually written with that intention in mind it's still very specifically called things out so i do very much like that parallel that those these two songs are written in kind of a similar vein yeah, and I think when we get to the part where we sort of uh, decide which of these songs we like better, I think we'll have more to say in that area. Mm-mm. Any other thoughts on I Choose You? You know, I was not, you know, through the first couple minutes, not super on board with Hayden's, Haven's voice. Like, it, it's kind of got a very breathy quality that I'm not as fond of. But, like, as the song went on, she kind of won me over. So I, I'm very happy that she's doing a lot with the Pokemon music, like she's uh, kind of on doing some other theme songs and other Pokemon music as a vocalist. And I, I'm starting to warm up to her and get to like her as a singer. So I, I'm very happy about this. (laughs) Well, you know, maybe that ties into some of her other roles. I guess I should have mentioned this in our first part is I did do a little research on Haven's pre Pokemon roles and she was involved in, Let's see, Shrek the Musical, Winks Club, and one or two other things before she started working on Pokemon, which, you know, not a complete surprise there. Since the show, the English dub is done in New York City, there tends to be a pretty good overlap between uh, Pokemon and uh, Broadway uh, musicals and stuff like that. So there's a pretty good shot you can connect things uh, that way if you so desire. So not a huge surprise to see that in uh Haven's uh, resume. Yeah, like she's just got a a very interesting voice and a very nice quality that she brings to the song that, like I said, just kind of wins you over over time. And I don't know, maybe that's, maybe there's something poetic in that. I'm not sure. All right. Well, this is normally where we would get to our third part, the part where we decide which one we like better. But in this particular case, there is a third challenger that we wanted to discuss. Uh, Over (laughs) some of the recent episodes, we've been mentioning more and more about non-English, non-Japanese Pokemon music. And uh, in an effort to cover more of that, it turns out that there is another ending theme for the Singapore version of this movie. Now, I believe that that, that version still uses English. English is a pretty major language in the very geographically small country of Singapore. But if you have that edition of the movie, you have access to a song by an artist called Beverly. It's called Future. And uh, Beverly's a relatively new artist, isn't she? So you weren't able to find a ton, but what could you dig up there? Well, what I could dig up was um, her her last name is Beverly Morata, and she's done some work with Japanese uh, releases in Japanese media as well, and the Philippines. Like, so she's she's kind of expanded beyond just you know appearing on Singapore Idol uh, as she did. 
So though she's relatively new, it does seem like she's kind of starting to build a bit of an international presence and gotten some opportunities to be associated with people like Oguri Shun over in Japan, um, who is kind of an actor actor idol, I guess you would say, uh, who's, you know, introduced her to some of the media presence in Japan, which is probably, probably kind of helped her getting tied into this movie eventually. So, like, I didn't learn a lot about her, but it sounds like whether she was, I don't know if Morata is a natively Singaporean name, it sounds very Japanese to me. So she may, she may have ties to a couple different countries within this world that have maybe helped her create business relations and kind of take advantage of some of these opportunities like like a Pokemon movie. Yeah, yeah. perhaps some of that is, again, attributable to Singapore's relatively small size, although it is very densely populated. Yeah, and, and there is, like, cross-media collaborations through Asia. Like, the composer was Carlos K, but the arrangement was Haruyo Yoda. So, clearly, you know, people can work in other countries than the one they were born in, but... <laughs> It, it it did take me a little bit by surprise looking her up that that she just seems to have a resume that is very world worldly. Any idea if this song was specifically written for this movie or maybe just selected or tweaked or whatever? I could not find information on that, but like the other two, it fits very well. So I would like to think, especially with this movie being such the big deal it was to kind of make an anniversary moment that it probably was written for the movie. That would be my gut instinct guess. Well, let's talk about this song itself then. Um, to be honest, I, I it's got a very pop vibe. Unfortunately, <laughs> I don't know that I have a ton to say about it. I did listen to it uh, two or three times, but uh, it has some similar themes to the other one. Uh, Anne, why don't you uh, describe your, your impressions of it? <laughs> well, my first thought was like that this was the long lost uh, song off the first movie soundtrack in English. Like it just has such a, a vibe about it that feels 90s. It feels like a throwback in its, its, in its sound, in its, its messages, in, it, in its musicality. So, I, I was I was digging it when I heard it. Like it was very energetic and and felt like it belonged in my Pokemon mind. <laughs> I don't totally disagree with your assessment there. I, I <laughs> the lyrics are all in English, so I was able to understand it. Although it doesn't quite sound like it was totally written by a native English speaker. Not to be too hard on it, because you know it's the English here is much better than my skills in any foreign language. So. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely got some word choices that would not be made by, say, an American or a British person, but but is still grammatically correct, but is just that different enough that it feels odd to us, I think. But yeah, that happens. <laughs> it does. I don't know what to say about it. <laughs> And I kind of agree, although I was getting a little bit, it's kind of a mixture stylistically to me. There's a little bit of Together We Make a Promise from Movie 9 in there, but definitely also sort of that that retro late 90s, early 2000s pop era in there as well. I mean, the singer is incredibly enthusiastic. I will absolutely give her that. Oh, yeah. I, I would be happy if she came back for another Pokemon song in the future, a la Asuka or Haven. <laughs> yeah, that'll be interesting to see if we ever if that ever happens again. What about the, the lyrics? Uh, I, I mentioned they had had f similar themes to the other songs. Uh, what's kind of struck you there? 
I really like, there's a section that talks about kind of Pokemon battles, really. Like, life can be a battle, and we will never understand it, but soon it will be clearer. Like, I, I kind of like, there is that theme of journey in it, but I, I like that it's kind of looking at a bit of a different aspect of Pokemon. So there is that. And then there were some other lyrics that I liked. Let me try to find them. When you brought up Together We Make a Promise, I very much felt a similarity there too, because there's a lot of stuff like, together we'll chase them all, together we'll change the future. Like So yeah, it's calling out a lot of themes that we've heard over and over and over again. The the, the values that Pokemon has always reinforced, they're, they're all present in this song. <laughs> Definitely. So, kind of a nice little thing there. Now, the uh, if you're trying to listen to this, it is posted. It seems officially on YouTube, so you can dig it up there. Unfortunately, the like Spotify and iTunes releases appear to be uh, country locked to Singapore. But uh, there are definitely some ways you can hear. And I strongly suggest whatever your opinion of it ends up being that you check it out. Yeah, Avix track can sometimes be a little funky about that when they release internationally, but they do have a Avix does have the label. They have a YouTube channel and you can hear this song there. It's their official channel. And the description has a little more info. It's basically like a press release uh text yeah. there but <laughs> about Beverly. So definitely check that one out. All right. Well, I, now let's I guess we can really get to um Part three, where we sort of decide which one we like better. Um, oh my gosh, I can't. <laughs> yeah, this you know, not just having three there. There are some some good efforts here. However, perhaps I am at a bit of a disadvantage, not knowing much Japanese. But um, well, I like uh, "Let's Walk Together." It um, and it definitely adds some stuff that wasn't there in the original in terms of it, it doesn't feel like redundant or anything like that. It feels like it gives something a little bit new, at least in terms of instrumentation and sound. And I am very glad to have uh, Asuka Hayashi back. I hope uh, mm-hmm. that we can get her involved in something else and, and maybe not movie 30. Um, <laughs> beyond that, um, I, I really something really gets me about I Choose You. That one, it makes me tear up, as only really a few Pokemon songs can, including We're a Miracle. I, I would say I Choose You is the best one uh, English ending theme song we've had since at least Make-A-Wish. I do not think it tops the power of one, but I think it is in a tussle with Make-A-Wish and We're a Miracle. Although I would say as an Ash Pikachu song, I, I like We're a Miracle more, but maybe that's just sort of nostalgia talking, but... This one doesn't feel like it's, you know, competing directly with it, even though it does have similar themes. It does enough on its own to sort of set itself apart from it, I think. Mm. As far as the Beverly song, I'm not sure where I would place that. I think it kind of reminds me of, to be honest, uh, It Was You, which I think was sort of the backup ending theme song to Pokemon, the first movie, in that... We're a Miracle just nails the fi- the film really well there, but It Was You was sort of like the backup and feels like not as interesting a version mm. or I- interesting a sort of dissertation. I know it's a huge word to use for that, but you get the <laughs> idea there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's 
sort of where that fills in for me. So for me, it, it's definitely um, I choose you is, is is the winner in the uh, three-way horse race there. Uh, Anne, I think you have a somewhat different opinion. Uh, that's oh okay. Oh my gosh, I can't decide. Um, <laughs> it's so hard because every, like I'm looking at all three songs in front of me and trying to remember the melodies and looking at the lyrics, which is usually my end. And I think in that case, I'll maybe push future out of the running. It's now down to Oracion and I choose you. But like every time I look at the lyrics, it's like I get to um, Oracion, let's walk together. And like that line about Ishoni, like uh, watching the rainbow, like it's good to watch the rainbow together and thinking of Ho-Oh, like I'm, I'm just dead. And then I look at um, I choose you and that that second verse opening, like, hello, stranger, don't I know you? Nice to see you, my friend. Dead. Like, so I, it's so hard. I don't know. <laughs> I might, I might call a pass and just say it's a tie. <laughs> well, we've done that before. And that is, I guess you could say within the rules. Okay. Um, I have to admit, these are three, in terms of their like lyrical themes, very similar songs. Uh, y- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, you know, Let's Walk Together and I Choose You are not completely dissimilar stylistically. I think uh, Future does stand out more in that regard. Um, Yeah. But um, they're all kind of approaching similar topics from somewhat different angles, which I think Mm -hmm. is an interesting perspective. I think we really did. you You know, one of the goals of this series is to sort of point out that even if you prefer one of the songs to another one, you can still gain something by looking at the other ones or listening to the other ones, I should say. Definitely. And for this movie, we we lucked out. Like, like I'm just so happy. These are all good songs. I'm sure if there are any other musical dub adaptations out there that we're not aware of, China or something, I'm sure they're all just as well. Like, you can see care poured into all of them. Now, there's definitely some passion that went into this on the, you know, on the singers and stuff like that. They were really wanted this to to really work, and they wanted uh, to show their best here. And I, I think we got a good performance out of each of these performers, really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like I said, uh, "I Choose You" is still the one that resonates best with me. So. <laughs> And uh, so, but it's okay that you have a, a tie there. This is, I, I can admit, uh, a difficult <laughs> choice for, I would expect, at least a decent number of people out there to which these songs. Right. I, I will hold these two favorite children close to my heart and protect them both. <laughs> All right. Well, there's plenty of other musical stuff to talk about. Uh, sort of the, one of the things we need to talk about is the intro song. Uh, now, of course, on the Japanese side, that's going to be a, a new version of Aim to be a Pokemon Master. And the English side, of course, we have the Pokemon theme, the you know original dub one redone with a new vocalist and whatnot. Mm-hmm. How do you think, uh, how do you think the Japanese one worked out? If I remember correctly, it wasn't released on the score album. It was actually released late last year as a single, wasn't it? I think I think so yeah. It's interesting like I've heard so many adaptations of Mizasai Pokémon Master that like it's hard to be like oh this one is definitely superior. But this one did a lot of interesting things. I really loved the distortion that went on in kind of the towards the middle of the song that effect. And there's just something about Rika be as she gets older like I sometimes worry she's killing her voice cuz I think 
like as pure singing goes, she sang better when she was younger, a good decade or two ago. But as with every year, she just gets more passionate in her acting choices when she sings. So like when she like digs deep into Sa- Satoshi's guttural sounds, like Zetaini Yaru, that sort of thing. Like it oh, she just gets better and better when she sings this song in that sense. So Mizase Pokemon Master will always just be an interesting venture whenever they do it a, a new a new mixing of it. <laughs> I suppose so. To be honest, I wasn't I don't think I was as impressed as you sound there. I think I would have preferred <laughs> a somewhat more focused uh instrumentation to that version of the song. I think kind of not really meandered, but it just changed a little too much. There obviously need to be some dynamics, especially with a, a reimagining or another rearrangement of that. But I think I, I would have preferred a more consistent vision of it, um, unless there mm. was some motif I missed in there or something that they were going for. Well, it did feel a little like there was a bit of a kind of a more modern funk kind of thing going on to it at the beginning. So there's that. I I would agree with you. It goes a lot of places musically, this song. I've not been bothered by it, I think, in the same way you are, just because Mazase Pokemon Master from the beginning has always been kind of a weird little song. (laughs) So I kind of expect that on some level, but you're not wrong. Yeah, it definitely tries a lot of vast and disparate different things in its musical pursuit. <laughs> if you had to rank the official versions of that song, uh, where does this sort of fit in? There's obviously the first oh. movie alternate version, and then there's the fourth and fifth movies, and one or two other things. There's Pokemon Pinball. <laughs> yeah, as as I said, it's very hard for me to pick a favorite or superior Mizase Pokemon Master just because there's been so many, and they all do different things. I coming off the emotional high that I am on since I did rewatch this movie kind of recently, I would go with this one as the best just because of Rika's vocals. Mm. Otherwise, I think the original instrumentation is a little bit more cohesive in the way you're saying and is a little bit more pleasing to me. But at the same time, I do really love that distortion effect. So I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> think my pick would probably be either the original or the one from the first movie or the one from the fifth movie which is also one of my one of my favorites with the with the accordion accompaniment is right, uh, that's yeah. a great version of that song yeah no that's a good one too uh there's too many there's too many <laughs> well on the english side we have you know pokemon the theme <laughs> yet another version of it i'm not sure that i want to go into uh the idea of where this totally ranks in the entire like pantheon of official versions of this song. I think that's something we might want to put for a later discussion uh, topic. But um, as far as this one, it's reasonably close to the original anime version. To be honest, I kind of prefer, of the more recent official versions of the Pokemon theme, I kind of prefer the one that they use in that sort of uh, thing promoting all the different Pokemon movies, you know, it go well. It skips the uh, Miramax-owned ones. Uh, maybe they'll do a re-edit it later. But I think of the more modern versions, um, that might be one of my favorites. Uh, what do you think about the version used here? I, it's kind of that same thing. It's like there have been so many; it's almost hard to compare. But I, there are things I like about this version, like 
there's something about it. I it's it's a female vocal doing the harmonies, and I don't know that that's always been the case, but I very much noticed the harmonies this time, and that was in the theater when you're kind of having the roller coaster ride. That was really nice to like feel the harmony kind of tearing at your soul in the way that harmonies are meant to. So that was nice. It, it's kind of a weird thing. I would have liked them to maybe have not stuck quite so close to the original theme and like to just go off on a different path. Like maybe we would have had the same problem that Mizase Pokemon Master has of doing too many different things and turning some people off. But I would have, as with all adaptations, it's like go big or go home. So I suppose, would you rather they have done something closer to the Billy Crawford first movie version or perhaps Born to be a Winner? Born to be a winner was a, an amazing example just because, yeah, it was completely different. I would have liked to see, yeah, just something off base, like do a straight up ballad. Maybe, maybe it's a piano cover. Maybe it's an accordion. I don't know. You know, like just it, it felt so similar in all the good ways. But after, you know, that first note hits on the electric guitar, you don't want it to be the same you've always heard. So like I said, I really applaud the harmonies that they were able to kind of stick out a little bit and kind of make it different and exciting for me. But if I had my ultimate ultimate wish for this song, it would have been for them to just go even more different and try to find something new within that song. That that's that's my opinion. It's not necessarily law that they have to do what I want all the time. No, I, I think I've I've definitely thought that there is uh, too too diverse of a range of desires for them to come up with anything that would be quote unquote perfect uh, for this movie music wise. So exactly, and the fact that they were able to kind of hit both sides, like they kind of got that original Pokemon feel that got all the people who have not been with Pokemon for forever and, and, you know, kind of rekindled that the way they felt when they were young. That's really special. But then for me, who has heard this song and renditions of it for 20 years, to be able to mix it and arrange it and record it in a way that something new stuck out to me, that, that is also special. So well done. Yeah, yeah, I don't dislike it. It may not be my favorite version or the version I would have picked for this movie, but I, I do like this version. Mm -mm. All right, well, there's definitely one more musical aspect we have to talk about, and that's the score. Now, um, as has been the case since Sixth Generation, the dub has had a mostly original score. In fact, in this particular case, the only song that's ported over from the Japanese version to the English version is the part right before the end credits um, that has that you know familiar? I think it's that da da da. da, da. It, may, <laughs> it might be that one. I think it's that one. That's the tune from the games, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. And uh, otherwise, the English score is a complete rewrite. Um, I do want to kind of talk about the Japanese one first. Now, I haven't seen the movie with this score directly. I do have the album. I did listen to the album. A lot of the tracks on there, maybe somewhere between a third and a half of them are redos of stuff from, like, the first season or so of the anime, in terms of, by which I mean the TV show, in there. And to be kind of honest, those were maybe a little too close to the originals. They did try to vary a few of them up, but not in ways that really impressed me. I think, mm. from a listening perspective, those might have been 
some of the ones I was least interested in. Uh, wh- what do you think, Anne? Yeah, it's it's a hard to say without actually seeing the images on the screen and feeling the emotions alongside the track. But I, I, I have mixed feelings about it just because, yeah, on the one hand, I really kind of am taken with this anniversary movie. Like, they have hit every touchstone that throughout the you know the the entire franchise series they've they've hit every movie every season like they've brought back as many callbacks as they can and found a way to make them work in, in a way that feels like a cohesive whole like i don't i don't know what the next movie coming down the pike is going to be like if it's going to continue the anime storyline or if it's going to continue this new ash storyline but if this was the only outlier it has encompassed the entire anime and the music is part of that. But at the same time, as you said, the little bits I listened to without the visual context, I'm not sure how I feel about it because I have preconceived ideas of what those songs should be. They're they're not super different. So I don't know if they've really if they really stand on their own in the context of the scene or not. It, it's hard to judge, <laughs> and I don't know that I can say much more about it until I finally do watch the movie proper from start to finish in Japanese. And I suppose if I were a Japanese person who watched the first couple movies and then dropped out for a while and decided this was a good time to get back in, uh, I would have a different perspective than someone like me who has listen to these songs over and over again through, you know, the radio station I used to have and all that stuff. Yeah, and that's a good point to bring up, too, because I think even fans in Japan who were on board for the entire time, in the same way that for you and I, the Pokemon theme is going to be the Pokemon theme, whereas in Japan, it's Mizase Pokemon Master. In that same way, they might be having a different emotional response to hearing those familiar strains coming through that they grew up with. And this is, you know, I remember where I was when I watched the fifth movie, like, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's it's something that's really hard to judge, especially given that neither of us have seen it in its proper context. (laughs) I suppose not. So let's let's talk about uh, some of the original stuff there. I do think that um, those of you who have been following this series will know that I have not been the greatest fan of some of Shinji Miyazaki's uh, movie compositions over the last few films, with a little bit of ups and downs here or there. Um, this one I felt was a little bit better. Um, I'm sure if I had seen them with the action, I'd have higher opinion. Um, I don't think I would have hated the score or anything if I had seen it with the original Japanese score. Um, I think I would have liked it, but um, step up. But maybe those don't blend super well with some of the old anime cues. What do you think? Yeah, like, it's really hard to say. Like, we've talked on previous episodes, like, the scoring on uh, on these movies has been a little interesting. And not always giving us what we feel we want from a Pokemon score. So I, again, not having seen it, but I I do feel like just on the tracks themselves, it's not like I sit down and listen to, say, the Star Wars soundtrack and have that feeling of like, OMG, you know, like this is, this is something special and artistic in itself. I don't have that feeling listening to the Japanese the pieces of the Japanese score that I've found so far, but th- I don't know that I can necessarily give that as a criticism yet. If 
sorry. I I feel reluctant to 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 bag on it too much when I've not seen it. Like that that feels like a very internet thing to do for me. <laughs> No, I, I get that. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, like, yeah. I, and you're more musically, like, you have a better musical vocabulary than me, too. So, like, I'm just like, I, I liked it. It's pretty. <laughs> that I suppose. I mean, I try not to, I, I, I don't feel like, I want to keep this these the series relatively accessible. I don't feel like someone should need to have background in, in, in music theory or have taken an instrument lessons, you know, when they were a kid or something like that to appreciate this, this, uh, this series. So I do try to keep this relatively accessible, but yes, I, having two parents who are current or former orchestra teachers has its benefits. Yeah. So I, I think you can talk a little bit more about it out of context than I can, where it's like, I, I need my visual context or it's like, I I don't feel qualified to to give meaningful critique yet. <laughs> I suppose. Well, let's talk about the English score. Now, uh, I do know that some folks really don't like seeing the Japanese score replaced, but let's talk about the, the English score kind of as a whole. I think it's difficult for me to sort of give super deep impressions because it's not available on its own. I've only watched the movie twice, believe it or not. But I, I think, you know, going back to what we said about the Japanese score, I think having, you know, not every scene has the same tone to it, definitely not. But having, I, th- I think, a more consistent vision and more consistent approach to it, because most of it was composed by Ed Goldfarb and uh, with the same purpose and to be used in the same context... I think that does benefit to a certain degree. I think that keeps the experience a little more cohesive. Uh, what do you think there? I would agree with that. And definitely there was, this movie did a lot of emotional things to us. And there was never a point where the music felt like it was not on board with that. And so for that, I really applaud it. Like, I, I, I suppose that's a sign the soundtrack's doing its job is that it supports the action happening in front of you. And it it carried you through that roller coaster. It kept you on that track, and you went up and down in all the right places. I definitely have to give it give it that. There's a um, most notably to me, I suppose, is there's a couple places where they sneak in either the ending theme, a few you know notes from that, or the Pokemon, uh, the dub English Pokemon theme in there. So yeah, and there was. It's not the movie itself, I guess. It's really more of the credits. But after I Choose You, doesn't it go straight into like a sort of instrumental version of the Pokemon theme, like right into that rift? Like it's almost part of the ending track? Pretty much. I mean, if you buy that uh, album we talked about, it's it's a separate track. But yeah, it it, it does have that nice piano, uh, low-key piano arrangement uh, there, that's that's one of the nice things I think about the Pokemon theme is it is fairly malleable. Yeah, like just that it blended so well. Like I was just like started crying a little bit. I was just like, this is <laughs> no there. And there's lots of little moments like that I think in this score that are quite nice. Okay, well, I did get some feedback on my YouTube channel. And uh, we definitely want to cover that. We always love getting comments. Uh, feel free, even if you um, are joining this just for this episode or whatever, we have a whole series uh, on my YouTube channel of these discussions. And if you have a comment about a prior movie you want to give, go ahead and do that. But a couple weeks ago, I did put out a call for uh, comments on this one. 
So let's see. First one I got is Ryu Taylor the Ferret. He's <laughs> got a nice little icon for himself, but uh, he really loves uh, the dub music. Um, he thought going in that it, there's no way this could top the second movie, but for him it did. Thinks it's all around wonderful to hear, and he is very interested in if this ever got an official release. Um, I would probably pick that up too, FYI. Um, that is some high praise. Yeah, he, he really likes the Pokemon uh, theme redo they did, and uh, generally prefers the dub soundtrack. Uh, he, he goes into, he says he's not a huge fan of Shinji Miyazaki's music. <laughs> uh, it feels it's a pretty mixed bag. The one thing he does give credit to uh, him for is Arasian. I think that's probably his best work. And, uh, you know, he, he wasn't a huge fan on the Japanese score for this one of what um, some of the some of the original like anime tracks sounded mm. virtually identical. I don't know if they did some like editing and stuff on that or what, but uh, he did like like Tears After Cloudy Weather. Felt like that didn't really justify having to watch the whole uh, Japanese one. So he's <laughs> very much in favor of the dub soundtrack on that one. For a bit of a counterpoint, we have Lapras GD. That's one of our German listeners, if I remember correctly. Let's see. Uh, this person was very disappointed with the music. Felt there was definitely some nostalgia pandering. Well, you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, this person did end up buying the uh, Japanese soundtrack and seemed to like that. Uh, next up we have, let's see, The World of Kevin C., uh, really likes both versions, so here's someone trying to split the difference, which is totally valid. Come to my team. We will we will love them together. <laughs> uh, like we said, you can get more out of both than you can get out of one or the other. Likes the strings in the Arasion Let's Walk Together, and loves the, the piano and the Pokemon theme at the very end of the credits. And uh, he did mention to us uh, about the, the Singapore uh, track, which we, we did try to cover in here, and we I hope in the future we can uh, dig up some more of these. I know one of the upcoming movies has uh, uh, some some uh, non-English, non-Japanese, and we'd like to definitely cover that. Yeah. So let's see. Uh, the next one I have is from Rich Boy Trainer, and uh, this person definitely preferred the Japanese soundtrack. Thought the English one was kind of just okay at best, it seems. Hmm. And uh, had to hand it to the Japanese opening ending for still being pretty amazing. I suppose that's another discussion we can have about some of these opening and ending themes is how well have they aged. I guess maybe to us, some of these going back to the 90s isn't such a uh, a step in ours. But maybe some younger folks out there, maybe you think that some of the early movies, some of those songs haven't aged very well. That would be an interesting thing to know. In any case, i got one more listener comment from Anthony Williams. He says, It's amazing. Definitely so far my favorite scored Pokemon movie. Uh, he had since the Volcanian one, which was the previous movie, but uh, I'd still say he really likes this one. So kind of a mix of opinions there, which I think also sort of ties into the movie itself. This was never a movie that was going to please everyone, uh, musically or otherwise. Um, mm. I, I liked it much quite a bit. Um, I think in my sort of ranking of the movies overall, 
Uh, it's definitely in the top third. I think it's probably below one, two, and five for me. Maybe in a tussle with five. Only time <laughs> will tell where it settles. Right. Yeah. I mean, like some of some of the movies have gone a little bit up. Like the the first movie when I first saw it in theaters, I was not a fan. I was very disappointed. Now I it's not perfect by any means, but I I think I have more respect for it than I did then. Second one is eh, it's about where it is. Second one is still my favorite. Just probably because it's just so musically coherent, mm. and like I said, this one is probably third or fourth on that list. Uh, oh. What about what about you, Anne? Uh, how, how do you kind of feel about the movie itself? Well, y- you have to understand my relationship to the Pokemon franchise is very much in the story of Ash and Pikachu, and this is similar but different. It's a it's a different universe. It's a different Ash and Pikachu. So there's a part of me that loves this movie and the part of me that like is shoving it away like you know I'm the evil stepmother and this is my redheaded stepchild kind of thing so I love it on its own I actually don't put it in my ranking of favorite anime movies at all it, like <laughs> so interesting I mean I can understand someone doing it with say the upcoming Detective Pikachu movie that's kind of going to be its own thing but. yeah it's it's an odd choice but I think that's what's going to make me happy because I, I really just can't look at it in the same way that I look at it because it's to me this is a completely different character so but I, I know not everybody views it quite in that same way but in my heart of hearts th- this movie exists on its own own like ranking and then there's the other 19 (laughs) i suppose we'll see if that changes over time if they happen to do more stuff in this sort of parallel uh anime structure that's that's true i might have to rethink a lot of things (laughs) in any case our next discussion we're going to be resuming through the diamond and pearl generation our next discussion is going to be arceus and the jewel of life so, um, the Japanese-English matchup for that one. On the Japanese side, we have Antenna of the Heart by Shoko Nakagawa. And uh, that's going to be pretty interesting. And then on the English side, we have Breeze Barkinski, who we talked about a fair bit during our Darkrai episode. Because he does a, the secondary ending song there. But this time he gets to do the primary ending song, which is If We Only Learn. So I think that's going to be a pretty interesting comparison once we get back on there. With that being said, Anne, thanks for coming aboard for this one. Thank you for having me. This has been Stephen Reich from the PokePress Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, with Anne of Pikachu Podcast talking about the music of the 20th Pokemon movie, I Choose You. Thanks for listening to the PokePress Digest Podcast. We'd appreciate if you rate or review us on your podcast app of choice. If you'd like to find more of our great content, visit our website at pokepress.blogspot.com. If you'd like to contact us, send an email to pokepress at gmail.com or follow at pokepress on Twitter. Hi folks, Steven here. So I wanted to talk about sort of a gulf that I've perceived in the way music is covered between sort of the the surface level stuff and then sort of the the more professional stuff. There seems to be somewhat of a hole in the middle, at least to me. In any event, uh, what made me think about this was earlier today I was watching a YouTube video called The Martyr Who Saves Speedrunning. It is fairly appropriate. There's 
most of the bad words are kind of bleeped out, but there are a few things in there. But I will put a card in that so you can take a look if you're interested. But uh, basically what it's about is about speedrunning. And sort of uh, someone about a year ago posted a rant slash editorial on YouTube talking about uh, some some deficiencies he had observed in the speedrunning community. And uh, felt that there was sort of a, a lack of uh, content or outreach from speedrunners to their audience. And this was sort of preventing there from being a link, preventing folks from getting into it, and uh, stuff like that. And uh, the author of this video sort of went on to say that since then, perhaps related, perhaps not, there's been an uptick in the amount of sort of uh, content that isn't just the straight speedrun itself that sort of tries to uh, bridge that gap between the audience for these types of runs and sort of how those things are made and sort of explain that. One of these that I've been following for a while is Summoning Salt. He does a lot of history of uh, speedrunning records for various games. He did a Pokemon one not too long ago. But uh, thinking about that video as I was watching it, I sort of realized... I think we might have a similar problem with music. There is a lot of surface-level coverage, and, you know, I don't want to be too harsh on it, but, you know, there's always that stuff about what's this musician wearing, or, you know, how did this musician get an argument with this other one, and, and less so kind of about the actual content, talking about it, you know, structurally or whatever. And uh, there's some deeper knowledge out there if you want to go look for it, but it seems to be aimed at people who are very deep in the music. Either they produce it, or they've taken lessons, or have a music theory background. And not so much at folks who are want to learn more, but maybe don't have a, a full music vocabulary. And if you compare that to gaming, you know, if you look on YouTube, you're going to find a zillion videos talking about the latest video game, analyzing it in great detail from both large and small creators. And at least in the times I've searched for it, I haven't found as much on music, and in particular some of the music that I listen to, which tends to be much more soundtrack-focused. And, uh, of course, you may know that we do this discussion series I do with Anne from PP Podcast, where we talk about the ending songs of the various Pokemon movies, comparing Japanese to English. And, you know, both of us do have some definite experience. Um, my parents are current or former orchestra teachers. I took cello lessons and some choir stuff growing up, and I've been listening to music ever since. And she has somewhat of a, a theater background. I think she has an arts degree and has done some at least some local stuff. But uh, I do try to design those discussions in such a way that you don't need to have a big background in music or music theory or any of that. And I would like to take this time to sort of just ask how we're doing in that regard and make sure uh, that it's, it's meeting needs or if there's things we can improve on. Now, in addition to that, I did kind of want to mention I have found one show that does cover soundtracks. It is appropriately enough called The Soundtrack Show. It's a podcast from How Stuff Works. And they, they sort of, they're relatively new, but they sort of cover the gamut. They have episodes on movies, they do video games, they just recently did an episode on Super Mario Brothers, and uh, other stuff like that. So I think that's heading in the right direction, but so what I'd like to know from you is, do you think that I'm right about this and there is sort of a dearth in between the sort of surface level and the professional level, and that there should be more in there? And uh, if so, what? And is there any content you'd like to see either from me or from the music community at large? 
So uh, if you have any opinions on any of that, go ahead, give us a comment. We always love that. All right, folks, thanks. 